Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hopefully, you are enjoying your day. As you can tell from the title, too much sports going on right now. So much I want to get into. You know, we'll definitely get it. You see right here. So many topics I want to talk about, but I'm obviously not going to be in front of you for too long. So I'll just give you a little quick hitters today. Uh, this is going to be our early week episode. You know, it's... There's, like I said, so much going on that I want to get into. Uh, but like I said, hopefully you're having a great day. It's the beginning of a new week. Hopefully you had a great weekend. It's first time seeing you since the weekend. You know, let me know down in the comment section. What did, what were you able to watch this weekend? Because I'm, I'm interested to see. Because like I said, there you got football going on. You got baseball playoffs. You have, if you're a soccer fan. You got Premier League. You got the MLS season about to end, to end. So those playoffs are about to start. NHL's about to get going. You got NBA preseason starting with their season coming along at the end of the week. Got college football. Like Everything's on the table. So let's go ahead, get into these topics, and let's have some fun. All right, so week five in the books. As you can tell, I went seven and eight. Another eh week, but at least we're hanging around five hundred. Because I do think, as the season goes on, I feel like I've got a I've got a run in me. Well, I'll start putting together some above five hundred weeks. I still think by the end of the year I will be over five hundred. And as you can tell, I pick by the spread. A lot of games that didn't go my way were very close. Just saying. Um, you know, the, the Texans won. It was a one and a half point spread. They lost by two. Could have easily have won that one. Buffalo and Jacksonville over in London. Maybe a Buffalo started the game the way that they ended it. Maybe that's a different conversation that we're having. But anyway, 7-8 last week. I'm 38-42-2. and two. Overall in the year, so just below 500. That's not terrible, you know. I'm doing okay for myself. Uh, so yeah, just some quick thoughts on the week. The Bengals. Maybe Joe Burrow was not lying about him feeling better than ever. Well, at least this season, because the Bengals' offense looked pretty good. I'm still saying that they're the class of the division, and this past week. Definitely made me feel good about that. I know you'll probably say, oh, they beat the Cardinals. Cardinals are playing people tough. So it's no small feat beating Arizona because we've seen Arizona knock off a, a you know contending team already this year. So I think there's plenty of optimism to go around in Cincinnati right now. We'll have to see. Can they keep it up and dig, them, dig themselves out of the hole that they were in these past, what, four weeks. Speaking of that division, look, some Ravens fans will probably tune into this and be like, oh, here we go again. And that's directed at me because to some Ravens fans, I'm seen as somewhat of a hater, I guess. Well, let's be real. Looking at this past week, how do you really feel about your team, Baltimore? Think of this. In this division, there's been plenty of 
questions about Pittsburgh. How good are they? A lot of people are like, oh, Tomlin's going to finish under 500 this year. Okay. Cleveland. A lot of people weren't buying into Deshaun Watson and Cleveland looking better than they did last year. Okay. Cincinnati. After the start they had, everybody's like, oh, Cincinnati's done. Sit Joe Burrow. Give up on the season. And Baltimore could not create any type of separation within the division. With all of that going on, I think it's a missed opportunity from them. You know, they lost this past week to Pittsburgh in a game that they should have won, to be honest with you, because Pittsburgh struggled offensively yet again. But Baltimore let them hang in it because I keep saying week after week, this Baltimore offense does not scare anybody. I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. You know, they they put a lot of the past issues on Greg Roman, moved him out. The offense still looks the same. It is still Mark Andrews-centric with a little Zay Flowers thrown in there, I guess, every once in a while. But Lamar Jackson, as a thrower, still does not put as much fear into you as he is when he's running, scrambling around, and out in the open space. I think until his throwing ability is more of a threat, I just don't see Baltimore being a Super Bowl contending team. Will they make the playoffs? Sure. They'll probably be a consistent playoff team, but Ravens fans keep trying to tell people that Oh, you know, Lamar's already got the MVP. He's this top quarterback. Baltimore's got this great defense. They're just bound to win a Super Bowl. I just don't see it. That's just me. You know, you can let me know what you think in the comment section. Another takeaway, look, San Francisco, let everybody know, they're the best team in football. And for Cowboys fans, you might need to chill with trying to tackle these, these big dogs in the NFL until you've actually have done it a couple of times. Cowboys fans felt real confident that they were going to knock off the 49ers. Very much the opposite happened. The Niners dominated the Cowboys. And like I said, Brock Purdy is showing people he can play in this league. Shanahan showing his offense works in the regular season. Obviously, it's going to be another issue when we get to the playoffs. But yeah, for, the 49ers are for real. I completely agree with the sentiment that they are the best team in football. You know, we talked about this last night on uh, Cheap Seats over on Sports Empire Network. I do think that they will finish the year as the best team, but it's still very early to really project that because they do have some tough games left on their schedule. You know, obviously they're not going to go 17-0 because that's just really difficult to do. I mean, they have a tough game this week against the Seahawks, I believe. I think so. They play this week. Not sure, but that's for. I guess the midweek episode will will take a look at this at the week schedule and obviously make my picks again. But yeah, the Niners best team in football. Point blank, like period. Uh, let's see. Well, okay, so I guess I'll have to talk about uh, Falcons Texans because, like I said, in the Atlanta area, I did watch the game. It was a good win for the Falcons. You know, I did say that the Texans were going to give them trouble. They did. Desmond Ritter 
is there improvement? Slight, but I'm still not bought into him yet. He needs to put together some more weeks, obviously. But look, when they needed a score, he engineered the drive to get them that score to win the game. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Winning football games. So the Falcons find themselves at three and two. They're they're right there in the middle of the NFC South race with the with Bucks leading the division at three and one. They're on a bye week, so they couldn't lose that position. Uh, the Falcons are tied with the Saints. I'll talk about here in a couple of seconds. At three and two with Carolina zero and five, kind of out of it at this point. So look, the Falcons are in it. Can't be mad at that. You know, if Ritter improves a little bit more, you can make the argument that the Falcons are the best team in the division. Looking at the strength of their defense, their running game, the the one thing holding them back is going to be Ritter's production. So, I mean, that's something we're going to have to look at. we we'll have to pay a lot of attention to. Yeah, so Falcons fans, if you are... If you are optimistic about this team, you have no reason to waver from that yet. If you were a little bit, not necessarily pessimistic, but skeptical of the team, I do think that you still have your reasons as well. But we'll see. Still plenty of games to play out, especially within the division. Well, we'll see where we'll see uh, like what this division looks like in five weeks from now. Speaking of those Saints, I got to talk about my Patriots. Look, it's it was another blowout loss, 34 nothing to the Saints. Saints played well. You know, Derek Carr had a good day. Nothing much you can really say bad about the Saints' performance. I mean, look, for my Patriots, I, I said at the beginning of the season, the first six weeks were brutal. So far, they... Yeah, it's not it's not looking good. I thought if they could get through the first six weeks, three and three, that would be before the double dip with Miami and Buffalo, which at worst you'd be like three and five after eight weeks. I feel like you couldn't manage that. That's still technically on the table. It just means that between the Raiders, Dolphins, Bills, you got to win two out of three. The way that the team looks right now, I can't confidently say that they could do that. Because my whole thing was if they could get out of the first eight around 500, which three and five would be, I think their bye week is like week 11. There's a good chance they could have gone into the bye week five and five, which I would be fine with. Because that means that they're probably still in kind of the wild card hunt, which is what I been looking for with the team to kind of just hang around but now after another bad performance you know there's a lot of questions about mac jones i've defended him and to be honest with you i think he's a guy that's i don't know if it's putting too much pressure to live up to what brady established and maybe he's just playing outside of himself you know the offensive line has plenty of questions the defense has a lot of pressure on them to basically be perfect in order to keep the team into the game in, in games. And it's just, it's just a lot right now. We'll see if the Raiders is the week that maybe they can turn some things around, but right now not looking good for the Patriots. 
Uh, let's see. I guess one final thought on the week. Uh, yeah. So, like I said. Oh, well, I guess the last one to talk about Jets, Broncos, which is the battle of Hackett and Peyton. Jets win the game. Russ has a costly turnover late in the game. Zach Wilson with another win for the Jets to keep them hovering around the playoff uh, picture. And if you remember, was it early this week or last week? Aaron Rodgers said he could come back from the injury this this year. I guess for the playoffs, I like the stretch run. Which, I mean, if that's going to happen, Zach Wilson has to keep them in the contention. I don't know if that's going to be possible. You know, they did just beat a really bad Broncos team. But it's still a win, right? So you can't fault them for that. So that's what I have for week five. Like I said, uh, we'll look at week six. Can't believe it's already week six during the midweek episode. So let's move on. Like I said, too much sports to talk about. Braves Phillies. Now, at the start of this game, I was on Sports Empire, cheap seats while the game was going on. You know, I was on there with Gene. Gene had the game going on. So he's giving up. He's giving updates. Going into the game. Phillies up one nothing, looking to sweep both games in Atlanta before heading off to Philly. It was a must win for Atlanta. Philly found themselves up four nothing, late in the game. You could tell that a lot of the the atmosphere at SunTrust, or I mean not SunTrust, Truist Park. It used to be SunTrust, but it's Truist now. Yeah, it was it was a lot of grumbling. That seemed to be happening, but the Braves showed why they're a top team in in baseball. Some may say the best team in baseball. With late game heroics, you know, this image here was the Austin Riley home run to left field. That gave them the lead. Yeah, I believe it gave them the lead. You know, Braves fans are going crazy. For Philly, it seemed like they wasted an opportunity because they, they had all the momentum late in the game, but the Braves found a way to chip away slowly. And a lot of people were talking about the how the game ended with Bryce Harper getting doubled off with the great defensive play by uh, Harris. Was that in center field? I mean, look, it's, it's like a hindsight type thing. If that ball falls in the gap and Harper scores, which would have been the tying run, Nobody cares. But because Harris made a great defensive play, Harper got doubled off. Now everybody was just like, oh, he was doing too much. He was in a terrible position. You can't make that. You can't have that be the final out of the inning, which in most cases I'd say true. But we got to be honest here. It's the playoffs. A lot of emotions into it. I'm never going to necessarily fault a player for being too aggressive. So the fact that Harper was in his mind like, oh, I'm scoring on this play. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, that's the wrong mentality to have. You know, yes, I'm sure if you ask him, he would say, I should have done better on that. But like I said, I will always root, or I guess I'll always lean towards the side of be aggressive than necessarily being cautious. But it was just a great play by Harris and great awareness by him to get the ball back in, to double up Harper. 
So, you know, all that means is we have a 1-1 series heading to Philadelphia for Game 3. Strider, I believe, is in line to pitch Game 4 after the comments that we talked about before where he talked about Philly and crowd noise and all that kind of stuff. A lot of eyeballs will be on that game to see how Strider performs. I do think, I guess, Game 3 is going to be an important one for Atlanta because, at least for the Braves, they're like, if we lose a game in Philly, if we split in Philly like the same thing that they did in Atlanta, we still have Game 5 back in Atlanta. That's something to keep in your back pocket. For the Phillies, you know, they look at this like, if we win Game 3, there's a good chance that we may just snatch some of that competitiveness out of Atlanta, and it could turn into the series ending in 4, because maybe Atlanta won't have as much fight. So Game 3 is going to be obviously the pivotal one, which is always is when you have a five-game series, the series being tied at 1-1, Game 3 is a swing. So I'm interested to see what happens. You know, I did, I mean, shout out to all of you who saw, I guess, the video that I put on TikTok or Instagram with predictions for the series. I had the poll up. I'll probably, I might do another poll, kind of to see where everybody's head is at right now after 1-1, but I was been an entertaining series for sure. Now, leading into the rest of the postseason, which we'll talk about here quickly, Twins-Astros is in a similar position with it being tied 1-1 with this uh, scene, switching to Minnesota. And for Minnesota, I think this is their opportunity to steal this series from Houston. They have the home crowd. You know, Houston could be reeling a little bit after splitting in Houston. I think if you're Minnesota, you definitely do not want to have to go back to Houston for a Game 5. So Games 3 and 4 will be the season for Minnesota. Baltimore, Texas, game three is today. Uh, look, I'm rooting for Baltimore to win the two games in Texas, force a game five back in Baltimore. I, I don't want to see Baltimore go out like this, but to be honest with you, it's not going to damper what they've done this season. They still had a very productive year. They're still on pace with their development to be a good team next year. You know, the youth movement that they've been going through for a while now definitely is paying off. You know, we'll see in the offseason, do they kind of take a big market mentality and maybe take some of the young players to get an established name? We'll see. That's kind of getting ahead of ourselves because the series isn't over yet. They just have to win game three, give themselves another day, and have that approach to it. But Texas, look, shout out to them for winning the two in Baltimore. They are in a prime position with what Avaldi pitching for them today. To close out Baltimore, we'll see. We'll see if Baltimore can can hang on and force that to go on a little bit longer. Uh, we already talked about Phillies, Braves. Look, Dodgers fans, I, I need to hear from, from you all because – the fact that the Dodgers are on the brink of getting swept by the Diamondbacks, like, come on, bro. Like, the the Dodgers for was whatever this stretch has been, 
They've been up there in payroll. They have all the big names that have gone over there. I'm sorry. If after all of this, the only amount of success they've had is the shortened season World Series win, that cannot be enough for you Dodgers fans. Maybe I'm wrong about this and you're just glad you got that one World Series and it's all gravy from here. But year in and year out, we hear about the Dodgers as like this unstoppable force and how great of a team that they have. But we keep getting postseasons where they come up short for whatever reason, whether it's the pitching failing them, offense failing them, whatever. And if not, you know, the series isn't over yet, but going back to Arizona, Arizona has all the momentum. As a team that went into the series playing with house money, like I said when previewed it, and they're kind of doing a lot of the things I said. Use that mentality and kind of just lay it all out on the line. And they're doing that. They have a 2-0 series lead. I think they get it done in Arizona. I don't know if it's in game three, but I don't I don't think they go back to L.A. I think it's going to be over, and I believe the Dodgers are going to have a lot of questions this offseason of what to do. Because, you know, I had to look it up with the payroll and everything. Maybe this is a sign of things to come in the in baseball. Mets had the best payroll, trash. Yankees had the second highest, trash. The Padres were third, trash. Philadelphia, fourth, spending their money the right way, apparently, because they, you know, have a chance to make the NLCS and possibly win the World Series this year. Dodgers are fifth, underwhelming. Angels had the sixth highest payroll. You see them anywhere on this graphic, that lets you know all you need to know about them. Not a wise investment there. Toronto, seven, you know, they've made the playoffs fine. Atlanta's at eight. And to most people, Atlanta's the best run organization in baseball. Then you have what, Texas, nine, um, Houston, 10, whatever. But the top five, they're the only team, actually the top six, the only team you could say that's really, you're seeing kind of the return on investment is Philadelphia. So maybe we're going through a bit of a change in baseball where just throwing money at players with names is not good business anymore. You know, it's kind of how the Yankees used to do it back in the day. But we've seen with the Yankees. When's the last time they won a World Series? I'm just saying. But yeah, you know, we'll see how these uh, division series matchups end up. I can't wait to see what these championship series matchups could be. You know, could, do we get Rangers twins in the American League, which most people might say, oh my God, that's where we ended up with all this. Hey, it's all good. If we see a new team breakthrough. You know, if the Dodgers don't make the championship series, Dodgers fans, you have to say the season's been a disaster, I would say. Once again, let me know down in the comment section. All right, so for all of my soccer, football fans, I feel like it's been a while since we, we talked. So, so this segment here is for us. You know, Gene, once again, to, to reference him, he calls it grass ping pong. 
I, I respect that view. I disagree with it, but I respect it. Looking at the Premier League, like I said, MLS playoffs start, I think, next week. So expect an episode where, where that pops up into the into the conversation as well. But the Premier League, it's only been eight games in. I, I understand. Still very early. But I'm kind of liking how this table is shaking out. Because going into the seat going into the season, you know, I said the top four was going to be City, which was like the obvious choice to win the league. Uh, I believe I had City, Arsenal. Liverpool, Newcastle. I think I had Brighton kind of fifth as the best team outside the top four. But I said, like, Man City probably runs away with it. Well, if you look at this right now, it's not happening. Like I said, it's only been eight games, still very early. But I think the longer this season goes, where we have a table where you're looking at, look, you have Tottenham, Arsenal, City, Liverpool, Villa, Brighton all within four points of each other. I think it creates great drama for the for the league. Because I think there were some Premier League fans who were dreading the fact of City with like a 10-point type championship season and what that would do for competition level. Which I guess I could see that, but then again, I think if you have a certain team that's seen as the dominant team, it can still create intrigue to see who can finally, you know, put together a team to knock them off. So I wasn't necessarily one of those who, you know, dreaded the fact of City being head and shoulders the best team. But I'm liking this, you know, Liverpool back in the conversation. Love that as. Okay, so I guess if you're new to this, to, to the show, once again, appreciate you tuning in, but. I am a big soccer fan. I live in the United States. Do watch a lot of Premier League. You know, because I'm a Red Sox fan and Red Sox ownership has some dealings with Liverpool, I would say that's my number one uh, club over there. But I do kind of watch and, and, and appreciate other teams. One of them being Tottenham because Son is my one of my favorite players to watch. You know, City, obviously, I like watching them. Arsenal, uh, Brighton, I've been intrigued by them the past couple of seasons. Um, Manchester United, Chelsea, which I feel like Manchester United and Chelsea, that's, for, once again, being over in the United States, I feel like when I first started getting into the Premier League, I was seeing a lot of Manchester United, so I have definitely kind of kept up with them. Chelsea, especially when they have like Pulisic and, and guys like that. But a lot of big names here kind of hanging around. I mean, you'll probably say including United and Chelsea in this might have been a bit of a stretch, but just saying. But yeah, so the longer, you know, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, Villa, Brighton, teams like that can kind of push City, I think it's going to make for better, like I said, drama and intrigue throughout the whole season. But like, once again, season's still very young, and we'll, we'll kind of see where everything kind of shakes out in a little bit. Because Man City kind of has a history of this, where uh, I think it's like September, October, they'll drop a few that kind of take off as you get into like late November, December, where they where they kind of separate. 
So we'll see, can Tottenham and Arsenal in those, in those teams kind of keep within arm's length of City once they inevitably go through that streak, if it does happen? Like I said, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Now, I do have to talk about this because I've seen you know, some TikToks and all that where they talked about uh, the City-Arsenal game. I don't know how Kovacic managed to get out of what he was doing in the first half without a red and being sent off. You know, the Odegaard, which is the one I, I'm showing you here, he got a yellow for it. If, they, he would, if he was given a straight red, I wouldn't have argued that. But I figure, you know, the ref was looking at it as, you know, yes, it's a bad tackle. Give him a yellow. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it slows him down a little bit. But then when he turned around and did the same thing to uh, Declan Rice, I assumed that had to be the second yellow and he was going to be gone. He somehow managed to come away with the Declan Rice tackle, which once again was after this Odegaard tackle and didn't get a card at all for the Rice one. Which I don't understand the logic there because the point of the yellow is like a caution, a warning, for the Odegaard tackle. So if you do the exact same thing later, clearly you didn't understand the, the warning and were still being reckless. So at that point, you gotta go. But he managed to survive it. And then it got me thinking. Looking at the two fouls, I thought the Odegaard one was worse than the Rice one. There's There's still both terrible fouls, but I thought the Odegaard one was worse. And I was wondering, if the Rice tackle happened first and then Odegaard came after, would Kovacic have been gone at that point? Once again, I think he should have been gone anyway, but I, 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 that's kind of the way my mind was working. If the tackles were in reverse, would he have survived it? Because like I said, maybe because the Odegaard one was seen as worse than Rice, he got the yellow for Odegaard, maybe the ref felt like the Rice one wasn't that bad, wasn't as bad, I don't want to send him off for that. Or, as some may think, Maybe it's just some bias towards City, and they didn't want it. Whatever. Ultimately, Arsenal got the last laugh. They won it uh, 1-0. Which, as the previous graphic showed you, is why the table is still very much bunched up. But yeah, I, I definitely agree Kovacic should have been gone probably after the Odegaard tackle. But definitely had to go after he did it to Rice again. All right. Let's move on. The NHL season starts today. I mean, let, let's go. So we have a triple header today, as you can see. You know, and can't wait. Especially with, you know, NHL back with like ESPN. It's been a couple of years now. But now I know when my Bruins are playing, I can catch them on ESPN Plus. I don't have to go online and try to find a site to get a good stream. Which I'm happy. Also, they have the TNT package as well. But if you aren't a fan of the NHL, I guess you can let me know down in the comments why you're not. Uh, somebody who does watch it, you know, being from Boston, very much a winter sport city. So obviously, Bruins are pretty popular up there. I will say for the Bruins this season, 
it's going to be interesting to see how do they play. Because it'll be the first season in a while where you don't have Bergeron around, who was the ultimate leader, professional on that in that locker room. You know, you, there was, what, a couple of seasons ago where Krejci missed the year. But now he's officially gone. I guess he's, he, yeah, he retired and everything. And Krejci was another guy who was a kind of pillar of, of this, of the, well, former Bruins iteration. And now that those two guys are gone, how do they look? You know, um, Marshan has gone on from be, having the A on his sweater to now the C being the captain. That's a bit of a different role. We'll see how he kind of fits into that role. I think now with the C on, some of the some of the antics that he does, which infuriates a lot of opponents, he might have to dial it back just a little bit. I'm not saying he has to take that away from his game because I do think that's a part of just who he is. And look, I have no problem with it. As long as it doesn't go overboard, obviously. I believe what Pasternak is now wearing the A on a sweater, I believe. And also, I think that means it's going to put a lot more pressure on Pasternak to continue to deliver as a top goal scorer. But, you know, with the Bergeron vacancy as like the number one centerman, that's going to be a spot in the, in the lineup that's going to be watched now. I think they're going to start with like Coyle up there to see if he can do it. But if ultimately it turns out that Coyle can't handle that, then the Bruins are going to have to try to go out there and find somebody. I, and I don't know who, who would be available, obviously, because the season hasn't even, hasn't even started yet. But I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see. Because when you watch the Bruins games, you knew. Bergeron was on the number number one line in the center, and Krejci was on the number on the second line in center. Those two guys are gone. Two big shoes to fill. And whether or not they can fill those, I think that's going to kind of dictate how this season goes. Goaltending, they should be fine. They're, they're usually pretty good on the goaltending end. Defensively, you know, they have what Lindholm, McAvoy, top two guys. You know what you're getting from them. After that, I think there's some questions there as well. I mean, do I see the Bruins as a playoff team? I'll, I think they'll be in the race. I don't know if I would pick them as a playoff team. We'll see. I need to see them play a few games before I can really say whether or not they, they will be. But I do expect them to be, in the end, in the conversation. NBA preseason. You know, the Celtics have played two of their three games. The season starts at the end of the month. A lot of talk was about Porzingis coming in. He looked great against Philly. I like what I saw. Drew Holiday struggled a little bit shooting, but I, I know what his impact will be on the team. Can we talk about Peyton Pritchard here for a second? You know, he got his new deal, which, remember last year, he wanted to get traded. He got a new deal. The way the Celtics operated this offseason, sending Smart out, sending Brogdon out, when a lot of people thought this year Pritchard had to get traded, obviously let you know that Brad Stevens, Missoula, have high hopes for Pritchard. They understand that he's a guy who can come in off the bench as a guard on the second unit and score. It's what we've seen 
the the first two preseason games, he's playing with 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 some confidence right now, and I'm not mad at it to be honest with you because he's he's a talented offensive player. You know, he can shoot the three. He's not afraid to get to the rim. He'll hang around there, get some offensive rebounds, even though he's not the biggest guy. But he just he's he's a tough, hard nosed type of player. I've said this before with other sports. In Boston, players like that will always get, you know, ovations from the crowd. Guys who work hard. Pritchard looks like that type of guy. And I think now with a guard rotation of White, Holiday, and Pritchard, I think you're in a, I think you're in good hands there. Now the Porzingis part, like I said, Porzingis looked great against Philly. He showed you everything. Blocked shots on defense, got some rebounds. Offensively, he knocked down a three, uh, had a drive to the hoop that ended in a dunk. He was in dribble handoffs, everything. So, I look, it's kind of hard to temper the excitement that I've seen from the team. But I just want to take a few moments to say, shout out to Payne Pritchard for, you know, getting his money. Now, he's not getting crazy money. When you look at the grand scheme of the NBA, you know, as a backup guard, he's getting what he got what four years, thirty million. Not a bad deal for a guy who can be hey, when he's going, he could give you a thirty point night if you're not paying attention. I mean he scored what, twenty six last night against the Knicks? Or against Philly? One of those he scored twenty six. But yeah, it just shows you, you know. Confidence can go a long way in sports, which I talked about. Mac Jones, confidence is kind of shaky right now. You're seeing him struggle. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of all I want to talk about. You know, let me know how you feel about your team as well as the preseason gets underway. But, um, yeah, so thanks for tuning in. You know, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Like I said, a lot I had to talk about. Because there's just so much going on. And to be honest with you, I didn't even get into the WNBA Finals. Which, that will probably work its way in later on this week. Uh, I guess, quick update. The Aces blew out the Liberty in Game 1. They're up 1-0. Game 2, I believe it's tonight. You know, can the Liberty bounce back? This is the matchup that everybody was looking towards. When the WNBA season started and the moves that both these teams have made. So you're now you're getting the finals you wanted. Hopefully the Aces don't kind of dominate the, the Liberty and make it a short series. Hopefully the Liberty can bounce back in game two and make this make, make it a little bit interesting. But uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, you already know what you need to do. Hit the like button, subscribe, share, follow, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, all the socials will pop up here at the end make sure you follow me on all of those having a lot of fun still doing these episodes and then creating little short form content that you know been been received pretty well so definitely appreciate all of you for that let's just keep it going it's gonna be look these next few months there's gonna be a lot to talk about nfl once the nba gets going yeah nhl you got you got you got to stay locked in with me. All right? You're still going to get your we'll say 2 to 3 episodes a week. But make sure you like I said, 
follow me on TikTok for the little clips and stuff I'm putting out there. Uh, Instagram, a lot of the clips I put on TikTok, I put on Instagram as well. So yeah, just, just follow me on all the socials. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. And it's another way for you to interact with me as well. So thanks again. Be safe out there. God bless. And I'll catch you next episode. I'm out. Enjoy the rest of your day.